Or you want to run the story? You got five hours until eight o'clock. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here's your hosts, Elizabeth Troutman and Aubrey Gulick. Hello and welcome to Collegian Week in Review. I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Troutman. And I'm Aubrey Gulick. And this week we will be talking to Elise Hawkins, who wrote a very interesting city news story. She is assistant opinions editor for the Collegian. Then Addie Longnecker, who will be talking about her trip to Lisbon, Portugal over fall break. Then our producer, Megan Pidcock, will be talking about the Greg Corumbus talk she recently attended. Greg Corumbus is from Radio America. And then last, Christian Peck Dimmitt giving the weekly sports update. The Collegian tip of the week is how to write the second paragraph of your article. So a few weeks ago, we talked about the lead, which is the first sentence, which hooks the reader, summarizes the story, tells them everything they need to know. The second paragraph, the nut graph, gives them the additional information, the second most important information in the story, to fill in what you missed in the lead and get the reader ready for the rest of the story. And now we have Elise Hawkins, who is the assistant opinions editor at the Collegian. So Elise, you wrote a story about a business owner filing their second lawsuit against a Hillsdale official. So can you tell us a little bit about what that lawsuit looks like? Yeah, of course. So a few weeks ago, this um, gentleman, uh, Mr. Lashway, he filed a lawsuit against certain city and county officials. Um, and so he filed a second lawsuit this week. The first lawsuit was alleging basically incorrect documentation by the city against some property of his. And so he is alleging harassment by the city for the business that he is renting that building to. Um, it, re it received a citation um, and he says that that citation was incorrectly filled out. So he is alleging that he sent a FOIA. So um, a FOIA request is the Freedom of Information Act. He requested a public document, so he requested a copy of the citation that he received um, because the original citation that he received, um, the bottom half of it was missing. So it was missing the signature of the person that is authorized to sign those. Um, so he FOIA'd the city for the information and for the original citation, and he received he alleges that he received no response from them, which under FOIA, the FOIA Act, um, it varies state to state how many days, but um, is actually illegal. Um, so he filed a second lawsuit against um, Mr. Mackey, who is the city manager, uh, basically just alleging that he ignored, uh, ignored the FOIA request and that he is looking for the original document still. So it, it sounds quite complicated. So. Um, David Mackey is also the FOIA coordinator, correct? Correct. Okay. So what are some of the, I guess, potential outcomes of this lawsuit and what could it mean for the city? Yeah, so for the um, first lawsuit, I also wrote a story on that and I spoke to the mayor of Hillsdale and that's um, Adam Stockford. And he said that basically if um, the allegations are proved true in court that there will be repercussions for that. Um, he did not specify what those repercussions would be, but if if what Mr. Lashaway is alleging happened is true, then that would be unconstitutional. Um, and Mr. Stockford said that there would be consequences for that. So the city claims that all of Lashaway's allegations are inaccurate. What's his response been to that? 
he's basically saying that the city's lying. So it's really a he said, she said kind of situation. Um, the city's alleging that the documents that they sent, um, and they're actually not even acknowledging some of the documents that um, Lashaway was sent. Um, so it really is just a he said, she said situation um, that will really um, just be, it'll take a court to figure out what's really going on with it. Okay. So is there anything that you wish that you'd been able to put into either of these stories that just didn't fit in due to space? Yeah, so this is actually a story that I'm continuing to work on, continuing to investigate. Um, I'm sure there will be further developments in the weeks to come. So I look forward to those and I look forward to getting to know more about both sides and um, reporting that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elise, for coming on air. Of course. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. This is Addie Longnecker. She is assistant productions manager at Radio Free Hillsdale. And she recently went on a trip with some other Hillsdale students to Lisbon, Portugal for fall break. Addie, how did that trip come about? So honestly, it's kind of funny. We were not planning on going, but this summer, while my friend Luke was living with me um, and working at my parents' school. He received a text about these super cheap tickets to Portugal, and we were like, why not go? So we literally spontaneously just bought the tickets, and the trip kind of came together. But there, other than that, there was literally no foreplanning. We just went. That's pretty cool. So you started plan- You bought the tickets over the summer. Yes, we bought them in July. But then after that, other than getting the Airbnb, we hardly did any research because once we all got back, we're all very involved on campus. And so we had no time to like even look up places to go in Lisbon. And so we arrived our first day and just started walking around and exploring the place. Um, And it was all very sort of off the cuff, spur of the moment decisions, but it ended up making it such a fun trip because we weren't beholden to any sort of like agenda or schedule and we could really just see what we wanted when we wanted. Awesome, what were some of the most memorable things you saw? Um, So the first day we went to this place Uh, which was just a whole wall of cliffs and it was so beautiful because you could just look out and you saw the bay um, and this sort of gulf and it just looked like it went on forever Um, and the cliffs were such a sheer drop and we all commented on how much you could just see God's hand and creativity in the way um, the earth was sort of formed there and so that was just absolutely awe-inspiring and then the second day we went and we saw the palace of um, Pina and that was beautiful because it was just so many different colors and so many variations. And honestly, that was one of my favorite parts of Portugal is everything was a work of art from the streets that were cobblestone and patterned to all of the buildings covered with ceramic tiles and different um, architectural designs. And then the last day that we were there, um, two of our friends went to a pilgrimage at Fatima, um, but I got to go to a monastery that had this just beautiful old church that had been around for centuries um, and it actually had the remains of Vasco da Gama in it which was just so cool for a history nerd to get to see because it's like this guy's the one who sailed around Africa for the first time, and that's just really epic. Um, so I can't really pick a favorite, but probably the church at the end was my favorite thing to see. And what were some of your favorite foods that you ate? Okay, hands down, the pasté was the best. It's this traditional Portuguese uh pastry that's basically pastry puff filled with a sort of sweet custard almost like a creme brulee but they literally have them everywhere and you eat them covered with powdered sugar and cinnamon and I think we got one literally every day I probably had like six or seven a day which was horrible but it was so good and you drink you eat it with a cappuccino 
and honestly it's some of the best food I've ever had sounds amazing do you miss it now that yes. you're back in Hillsdale yes very much I every time I get a cappuccino now I'll text our group chat and be like I just miss the pastel in Portugal um but it's it's honestly given me such a deeper appreciation for Hillsdale just because I feel like having the background of Hillsdale and then traveling to this foreign country I was able to appreciate the beauty so much more because I've been trained here what to look for amazing yeah how far was the flight to Portugal oh boy it was well we had layovers in Canada so we went drove to Chicago first so that was a three and a half hour drive and then it was about a three hour flight into Canada um and then it was I think it was like an eight hour flight from Canada to Portugal so both days we ended up doing about 24 hours of full travel um especially on the way back I remember we we actually took kept track of it and it was 6 a.m Portugal time when we left and by the time we pulled back into Hillsdale it was 4 a.m Portugal time so it was 22 oh hours of full travel and if you've ever tried to sleep on a plane you can but not well and so we were all very exhausted when we got back but it was so worth it and we definitely would do it again did you have any difficulties with the time zone difference with the transition between the two places? So it was actually kind of funny. We were there for such a brief period of time. We didn't actually really notice it because we just didn't sleep. <laughs> so I don't think any of us got more than maybe like 12 hours the whole trip because we just kept going because we were in Portugal. We wanted to see as much as we possibly could. And so it also helped that coming back, we sort of had never adjusted. So they just sort of canceled each other out. What was the Portuguese culture like? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. They were all so friendly. I feel like Europe a lot of times gets a bad rap as like hating Americans, but we actually ended up talking to some locals and they were like, oh my gosh, we love Americans. We love tourists because they're the lifeblood of Portugal. It is a tourist um, place. It's one of the oldest, especially Lisbon is one of the oldest cities in Europe. It's older than Rome um, and older than all these places. And so they run off tourism. And so they absolutely loved having us there but it was so cool because they showed us their culture um the day we went to the palace we actually got a local driver to take us up there and he showed us around and food is such a central part of their culture everything comes around food and one of the cool things we noticed was that there are no fast food joints there every food or meal you have is an event you have to sit down and you have to slow down and you have to take a moment to like appreciate the people you're with and the art that food is and we, that was something we all really noticed and loved. It forced you to just slow down and actually see the beauty around you rather than just jumping from thing to thing. Do you have any tips for people going to Portugal? Okay, first things first. So always, always, always talk to as many locals as you possibly can. Um, they always have the best tips and tricks and they know all the secret spots. So the day we went to the palace, we were actually going to go to a second palace, but our local tour guide was like, no, you don't want to go to that one. It's a way better view from the outside. You want to go to these other ones instead. Um, and he was just Raphael. We love Raphael. He was just so insightful and willing to help us out. Um, but I feel like we got a much more authentic view of Portugal and the place we were because of him. Um, so that would be like my number one advice is talk to the locals, get their advice, get their opinions. And then the other thing is just be willing to go with the flow and soak up the beauty of it. We had one of our tour guides tell us, he's like, don't view Portugal through the screen of your phone. He's like, if you want to do that, go home and look at pictures. But he's like, while you're here, yes, take pictures, but actually put your phone down and just enjoy the beauty around you. And I thought that was great advice. Yeah. I'm so glad that a group of Hillsdale students got to go on this awesome trip. Thanks so much for coming in and talking to us about it today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. The Collegian Week in Review continues. And now we have our producer, Megan Pidcock, 
who attended a talk given by Greg Corumbus recently. So Megan, who is Greg Corumbus? Greg Corumbus is a an alumni of Hillsdale College. He graduated in 1997 with a bachelor's in history. He currently works for Radio America and has worked there since he graduated. Uh, he does a podcast and various other um, programs over there. And he worked. he's kind of worked his way up the ladder, and he's been there for a long time. Okay. And um, what was his talk about? Uh, he kind of went through um, just how it's been being at Radio America for such a long time. He got to see it, its transition from how it was in the 90s to how it is now. One of the biggest things he's talked about was the prevalence of podcasting and instant digital media and how that's really shifted how radio has worked. So you don't have to portion out a time of day to listen to your favorite uh, person or um, radio host over uh, the actual radio. Now you can listen to it on Spotify or on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts and how that's really changed the game. He also talked quite a bit about how much he's um, enjoyed covering uh, politics in D.C. because that's what he does um, and sort of current events as the Radio America um, headquarters is in Arlington. So he's really been there for a long time for a lot of very key political uh, events in recent history. So it was quite interesting. So it sounds like he talked a lot about, I guess, the recent history of journalism. What did he think about the future of journalism and where does he think it's going? He thinks that podcasting is definitely the most prevalent form of uh, the future of radio. Uh, just everyone is now used to having things at the touch of a button and having it instantly there rather than having to wait uh, until it gets on somewhere or having to wait for a certain time of day. So he really emphasized how podcasting is a major source of where radio is going, especially because unlike print, which doesn't necessarily have a lot of the same crossover as radio does to things like YouTube or, or um, other popular social media sites, radio does have that advantage of it's already a digital format. Um, so it really, it's not, it doesn't seem to be quote unquote dying like print might be right now or is right now. Um, he said that it, it's definitely actual traditional radio is definitely not as popular as it was, but um, radio as a whole has a lot of places that it could go going forward. So um, Grumpus was on the radio, I guess, um, 20 years ago when 9-11 happened. Did he talk at all about that experience? He did. He talked about how it's amazing just how much at the time that incorrect information was being reported. Um, because really, they had no idea what was going on. And obviously, there wasn't any instant um, instant news sources that you could find, like on Twitter. Nowadays, Twitter is a huge uh, source of instant news. Um, there was none of that. So it was a lot of, it was very chaotic. Just he talked about it and how it was just such a, an outlier of a day because it was just constantly going, going, going because there was new information being reported all the time. Um, and just sort of no one really knew what was going on. Of course, looking back, it's much easier to say, well, of course, this is what happened. But he said at the time it was really um, on your feet and very uh, just unsure. Uh, he actually talked a bit about 
how that is also something that's changed um, and sort of the instant, the nature of being instantaneous that news has now because of Twitter and because of Instagram and all these other social media sites and the internet um, has really changed how radio works as well because things get outdated, information gets outdated so much quicker than it used to um, because you're not waiting until Thursday or t- until Friday or whatever day that your newspaper goes to print. Um, you can get that information right away as soon as it's happening. Like if, if the president releases a statement, you can get it within five minutes or less of him releasing that statement. Whereas it used to be you really had to wait, which is another reason why radio um, is continuing on in a way that print is not because radio does have more of that instantaneous um, grab that print doesn't necessarily have. Um, And he said that if you really want to stay up to date, that um, some of these social media sites like Twitter really are the best way. If you follow all of the major media sites, um, that is what you, that is where you can get the most up-to-date information. And he sort of talked about how you can stay relevant in radio as well. Uh, And the main thing about that was just how he was saying that, um, know your information, know that you're right, um, fact check your sources, and just stick with it. Stay up to date is really the main thing. Um, Yeah. So what were some of the tips he gave to people looking to break into journalism? He said that the biggest advice he could give was be sure that you're good at writing. Writing is helpful in every way when it comes to media, um, and it's, he said, as if you can write well, you can do a lot of things. Um, he said, if you, even if you have technical abilities, even if you know how different um, uh, programs work, like for us at the radio, we use Audition. Um, if we know that, the ins and outs of that, that can only take you so far. Writing is really what can set apart someone And it really is just practicing that and practicing knowing how to get information across in the correct way is so important, no matter what um, what area of media you go into. It's just very important that you can hone those skills. Thank you so much, Megan, for sharing um, the talk with us. Um, That was Megan Pickock, our producer. Thanks. This is the Collegian Week in Review. This is Christian Peck-Dimmitt, the Collegian Sports Editor. Christian, it looks like Charger Sports sponsored a trunk or treat for kids this weekend on Halloween on campus. What was that like? Uh, so it was actually very successful. The Student Athletic Advisory Committee, abbreviated as SAC, uh, held a trunk or treat that made money for Make-A-Wish. So it was kind of a, a two-fold thing. It, not only did it make money, and it made uh, about twice as much as it did last year, which was its inaugural year. Uh, but it also, of course, kind of helped give uh, kids a, a chance to kind of get out into the community and, and uh, you know, meet a lot of students, a lot of student athletes. So they had a bunch of cars set up, decorated with with Halloween uh, decorations, and they were all kind of represented by a sorority or fraternity or a club, or uh, most of them were athletic teams, and the uh, the students would give out candy. Now, were there any standout costumes of students at the Trunk or Treat? Well, uh, we do have two uh, large color pictures on A10 of the women's basketball team and then the women's tennis team that both uh, got all decked out, lots of full-body costumes. 
uh, the golf team as well, uh, you know, really showed out. Now, it looks like volleyball had a pretty good week. What happened with that? They did. So, actually, they clinched a at least a partial share of the North Division title, meaning that uh, at the very least they'll, you know, share it with someone else. Ideally, uh, they have about, I think, five or six matches left in the season and are still undefeated, undefeated in GMAC play, so I think I have a, a hard time seeing them do anything but win outright. And they won, um, uh, they swept, actually, the GMAC Player of the Week award, so both offensive and defensive. And does the shotgun team have a new facility? Uh, so, no, this is the Nimrod Educational Center that uh, actually the shotgun team, uh, there is a shooting site there. And they, they kind of did demonstrations for uh, the donors and the people that were you know, friends of the college being shown uh, the new facility as it was launching. And uh, they also uh, walked them through some firearm safety uh, techniques and demonstrations there as well. And swimming, women's swimming had a meet this weekend at Albion. How did that go? So the Chargers did take down Albion at home this weekend. And it's interesting because Albion actually has a, a dive team to go along with the swim team, the, the classic swim and dive title. Uh, but the Chargers do not. So they seeded all of the points that you can possibly get to dive or from, from all the diving events to Albion. And they still beat them by a good amount, which is uh, that's phenomenal. You know, just shows how good the team is. It looks like the sports section has an alumni spotlight this week, saying that a men's basketball alumnus received a honor. What was that? Uh, so he was actually elevated to the uh, Duquesne active roster. So Duquesne is a D1 school over in Pittsburgh. Uh, so Davis Larson, who graduated last year, was just short of a thousand points. Uh, for his career, which is a, a you know kind of a big honor, he was very good, a three-year starter for us. He was actually he's actually currently, or I guess forever, uh, fourth in th- uh, overall career three-point percentage in program history for Hillsdale, and uh, he's over getting his master's in management. I believe he hopes to be uh, a basketball coach one day, and he just started there as a grad assistant and was uh, was moved up to the active roster this last week. Very cool. Now, what can Charger sports fans look forward to in the upcoming week? Well, uh, after a couple weeks off, football is back at home uh, this weekend on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And then the volleyball team has a match at home on Friday against Finley, which is always kind of a, a big big rivalry. And they're getting, of course, closer to clinching uh, outright the conference title. So that'll be big. Very exciting. Thanks so much, Christian. Of course. This has been the Collegian Week in Review with your hosts, Aubrey Gulick and Elizabeth Troutman. We talked to Elise Hawkins about a recent battle in the courts between a Hillsdale resident and the city of Hillsdale. Addie Longnecker talked about her trip to Lisbon, Portugal over fall break. Megan Pidcock talked about Greg Columbus's recent talk. And we got a sports update from Christian Pechtman. Some stories to look out for in the Collegian, the college finished construction on Dow A and B on October 28th. The project took 11 months and cost $3 million. And Radio Free Hillsdale students Rachel Kukaji and Abigail Snyder won national awards from the College Broadcasters Incorporated. And a new Dairy Queen opened on Halloween on Carlton Road. The Grill and Chill is open from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily. Pick up a Collegian, check out our website, or follow us on Instagram at Collegian. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.